welcome to Demand and Disrupt the Disability Podcast. Here, we will learn to advocate for ourselves and each other. This podcast is supported with funds from the Advocato Press, based in Louisville, Kentucky. It's more of a tightrope walk than I expected it to be, because mm. um, when they're teenagers, you're at that point where, you, where you've got to step back, but you can't step back completely. Today's interview guest is Lisa McKinley. Lisa and I met years ago when I was an employee at Western Kentucky University and she was a student. Naturally, someone told her that she should come and meet me after they were astonished that she didn't know me already because, of course, all us blind people know each other. Lisa lives in Bowling Green with her husband, Patrick, and their two teenage sons, Alex and David. Lisa was born with congenital glaucoma and eventually lost her eyesight over a period of 15 years. She doesn't believe blindness to be a barrier, but rather a different way in which she and others must see the world. Lisa believes that all people, regardless of whether they have a disability, naturally learn to adapt to the world around them. For her, this means parenting looks a little different than what people may be accustomed to. Although parenting without sight may have its unique challenges, Lisa believes there is no obstacle too large to overcome. I hope you all will enjoy my interview with Lisa McKinley. Welcome, Lisa McKinley. I have known Lisa for years and years and years since our college days. And finally, I strong-armed her into coming in on the podcast. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm so glad to be here this morning. I'm, I'm doing great. I am thrilled to have you. And I'm, I'm sure we won't get that distracted talking about the good old days and things. <laughs> Lisa is not in the book, A Celebration of Family, but it's not because she's not an awesome mother because she is. So I'm going to talk to someone who's not in the book, but we're also going to talk about parenting. So at least to start. So Lisa, tell me about what were your expectations about parenting when, when you uh, decided to have kids? What were your expectations of being a parent? I, I thought it would be fulfilling and rewarding and challenging. I don't know that, you know, I thought too much about it. I kind of thought, you know, things would come along and progress. I try not to overthink it because that, you know, that's something I will typically do. And I don't think I did that with um, the prospect of becoming a parent. I just knew, always knew it was something I wanted to do. I even had the names for my children picked out when I was 12 years old. Is that right? Yes. Wow. And are and they I, the names that you went with? I did. I, well, if I had a girl, she was going to be Sarah. If I had a boy, it was he was going to be David and I do have a David. So I always loved that name. And now I have a David. Yes. Yes. And to say you have two, you have, are they teenagers? Both, both, you have two boys. What are their ages? They are 13 and 15, soon to be 14 and 16. So we have a March and an April birthday, both. Oh, so are you nervous about the whole driving thing? I am. I really, really <laughs> am. Oh my goodness. Thankfully, we have, you know, find my on the iPhone now so I can track where they are. And and we have the the setup that will tell you how fast they're driving. And all these, oh, wow. All these fun features you get now with a phone that, you know, they didn't have when we were teenagers. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, wow, that's awesome. And so your husband, Patrick, is sighted. So he'll be 
will he be doing most of the driving lessons or have you tapped someone else for that? Cause obviously it's not going to be you. Yeah, he will. He will do that. I, I hope I pray for him every day <laughs> in that regard. So <laughs> fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I tell my son is 14. So he's a little, little younger than, than your oldest. And I always tell him, I can't wait till you drive because then you're going to go out to the store and get this stuff for me. And so I, I think most kids look at driving as this freedom they're going to have when they get older. No, not my son. He, he knows he's yeah. just going to be a chauffeur. <laughs> he will have the freedom to go to work to afford to put money in his gas tank and pay for his insurance. Right. <laughs> Amen, sister. Amen. <laughs> I tell you. So is your parenting two teenage boys now? Is that what you thought it would be like, or is it different? It's both. It's <laughs> it's more of a tightrope walk than I expected it to be because mm. um, when they're teenagers, you're at that point where you, where you've got to step back, but you can't step back completely. You still have to be involved. Um, it's a tightrope walk in many ways. I told my younger son that just a few days ago, and he's like oh my goodness, you're right. Because, you know, you want to encourage them, but you don't want to encourage them so much to where their head gets big. You want to, (laughs) you want to be involved in their lives, but you don't want to be so involved that you become pushy and you push them away and they find you annoying and they're like, get away, mom. And you want to seem interested in their lives, but you don't want to pry because if you pry, then they push away. And, so and then they will keep secrets. Yeah. Yes, yeah. they keep secrets. So that's what I've I found has been, you know, a little different that I didn't expect. Also, when they were younger, they would have never dreamed of taking advantage of my blindness because, you know, I don't think they thought they could. They thought they really did think I had eyes in the back of my head and that I would find them out. And, but as they, as they've gotten older, they, they see the weaknesses and they know where they can take advantage. Now I'm not saying they take advantage all the time, but if I say, you know, get off your phone. Okay. Well, he's still looking at his phone because he knows I can't see or know any different. So they, they do that a little more now than, than as young children. But so what so age, much. what age did, did that start uh, asking for a friend? What? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 13, 14. Uh, my oldest is a little worse about it than my younger son. My oldest likes to see what he can get away with. Mm-hmm. He keeps me on my toes, but really it's, they're, they really are a joy. And I think a lot of, of how we interact now stems from how we built our relationship when they were younger because of my blindness. I couldn't go out and take them to the park and the Little League games and all the things a mother who could drive could do. So we came up with our own ways of interacting with each other. And a lot of that was just sitting and talking and role playing and just different things that weren't so physical. And because of that, um, we've created really strong bonds of just being able to talk and share with each other. And now it just scares me sometimes the things they are willing to share with us and share with me. And I think to myself, oh my goodness, I would have never told my parent that. (laughs) Sometimes I'm like, maybe less is more, guys. But 
we'll sit and get lost in conversation for hours. And my youngest will bring his friends over and they'll sit and talk to me for hours. They've let me in their tribe. And I just, I think it's great. And it's a, a huge joy. Oh, uh, that is amazing. That is amazing. It's a, the, kind of the same with me too. We, we did a lot of role playing, a lot of storytelling, a lot of inventing our own games. Did you have uh, the guilt that you couldn't do the driving and the taking to things and all that? I did. Initially, I did. And it it was bad, especially I would when I would get on Facebook, you know, the nemesis of all of us. I would get on <laughs> Facebook. And of course, all my friends were the same age as me and they had children the same age and they would be posting with their, their kids at the park. Or I took my kids to this convention and that event. And, and I was thinking, man, I want to be able to do these things. Look, look at everything my kids are missing out on. And then one day I just realized, look at all these things my kids are experiencing that maybe other kids are not. And I think it all in the end, you know, equals out. So yeah, yeah it was bad back early on. I, I had to literally um, take Facebook off my phone because it just made me sad. And then once oh. I stepped back from it and was off of Facebook for like the three or four months, that's when I realized just how special we had things and that we really weren't missing out at all. That's beautiful. That really is. How would parenting be different now with teenage boys if you could see, do you think? Well, uh, like we discussed earlier, I think I would have, I'd be able to drive. I'd probably be chauffeuring them back and forth to events. I'd, I'd probably be tripping There'd be less tripping over their shoes and backpacks and randomly placed items. I wouldn't <sighs> sit on things I, that shouldn't be on the couch. The other day, I literally sat on a burrito. Um, like, oh my god! Guys, <laughs> come on, eat your burrito at the table. Like, these are the, the the challenges we run into as blind parents that people don't really think about. I I, I sat on a saw blade one day. It was <gasps> out in the backyard on my little reclining chair. I'm like, oh my gosh! Luckily, it went and slid through the slots of the chair, so I didn't, you know, jab myself. But it, it's always things like that because I have my youngest son. He's a ferret. He just, I don't know if you know about ferrets, but one thing they, they just kind of, they'll get things and they take them and they hide them and they put them where <laughs> they don't belong. And that's what my son, he, without even thinking, he's always, he's always has something in his hand. He's always leaving it where it doesn't belong. And, and I'm always sitting on it or tripping over it. And so I would be able to see those things and there'd be fewer accidents. But as far as how we relate to one another, and I, I don't think that would be much different at all. I think there'd be the same, you know, love and joy and it just might look a little different. Yeah, I can see that. I think one thing people may not realize is there are a lot of advantages to blindness, a lot of advantages in parenting that some people may not think of. Um, for example, I'll just give a few for mm -hmm. examples. When my son was about three years old, I was at my in-laws and my son was in the kitchen with my mother-in-law and my husband and I was in another room but I could hear my son had a bottle of pills in his hand mm -hmm. and my husband and mother-in-law were just talking back and forth completely unaware but I was able to hear and I said someone take that bottle of pills from him and they turned over and they were both astonished that they had clued in on it and by the time they got to him he was about to have the cap off and and take the pills you know and so it's using our hearing to pick up 
on those things can be an advantage. Another time, uh, my son, he was about three years old. I was in the kitchen doing dishes, and I hear him say to his little brother back in his back bedroom, he said, David, let's go to Walmart. I'm going to Walmart now. And the way his voice resonated, it did not sound right. And I started thinking, okay, he says, I'm going to Walmart. Is he trying to leave the house? And then I thought about how his voice was resonating. And I thought to myself, I bet this boy has opened the window and is trying to climb out. And sure enough, when I get back to the back bedroom, there he is completely outside of the window, sitting on the window ledge with a six foot drop off beneath him. So, you know, I was able to scoop him up and get him back in the house. And I think, would a sighted parent have recognized that? Wow. Yeah, that is that is terrifying. Um, and all for Walmart. That's a lot of effort for Walmart, you know? Yeah, yeah. Walmart. Why? Why Walmart? <laughs> Maybe Chick-fil-A, but Walmart... <laughs> I know I was always nervous about when my my son was little telling him that I couldn't see. And it was this such a big deal in my mind to tell him and explain to him. And I had thought about it and rehearsed it and everything. And so I told him and he absolutely did not care because it didn't change anything. His world was the same. It didn't change anything. Mommy was mommy. And that's just always how it was. And also my kids are very very empathetic, very, they, they are social justice warriors. I mean, they will not stand for seeing someone discriminated against or mistreated. And I think it comes from, sometimes they have seen my struggles, you know, or it, kids, kids pick up on so much, you know, they, they've heard me talking about being discriminated against or something. And that struggle is so real to them. That's interesting that you say that because my kids are a lot the same way. And I would, you know, I really didn't think about it so much from the blind perspective that maybe that is where it stems from. But I can definitely see that because they both, they cannot stand injustice. And, you know, they're both quiet in social settings. But if, if they see some, something's not right and somebody's being mistreated, they're going to, they're going to say something about it. See, we just accidentally stumbled into creating awesome citizens. Isn't that great? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so what would you tell someone who's blind, who's considering maybe starting a family and has, you know, concerns about that? What would you say to them? I would say absolutely 100% do not hesitate about starting a family because of blindness. Um, there is a way and you will never be 100% prepared. You probably won't even be 10% prepared. There's no such thing, not for any parent. We learn as we go. Speaking to a blind person, when you woke up in the morning, you didn't know how your day was going to go. You didn't know the challenges that were, were going to come, and, and but you figure them out as as you go along. You didn't all of a sudden know how to cook blind or how to wash your dishes blind or, or do your laundry blind. You figured them out as you go. And the same thing is true with parenting. You will figure those things out as you go. And so there's, it's absolutely possible. And surround yourself with people who have already walked down that road. You know, get plugged into the different advocacy groups, the different Facebook parenting groups. There's so many resources available and so many ways to connect to other blind parents. And they can give you tricks and tips along the way. You may not take every suggestion they offer. You may come up with your own set of awesomeness um, that you'll be sharing in the future with other parents. So, you know, you, you take some advice and you leave some, but it's absolutely doable. And, and just try not to fear the, the, the process. 
And I guess this is where I plug uh, our book, A Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, because there's lots of, you know, we don't live the word inspiring around here, but there are lots of stories of people who did exactly what you said. They didn't know what to expect, but they, it's, it's a fearlessness. Well, I don't know. It's, it's courage. There's a whole book we have of, of parent stories and I am chapter 23 in the book, but yeah, I agree. It is, of course it, it is doable. You know what? Every day, every single day, I am shocked that I am good at this job. You know, I am a damn good parent and I am shocked by that. <laughs> Do you ever have that feeling? It is. I mean, <laughs> Both. Some days I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. And then the next day, man, I'm rocking this thing. And you know, at the end of the night, you go to bed and you think if I had had to leave this world tonight, you know, if I were called home tonight in my sleep, who would I want to raise my children? And I can't think of anyone else. And that's where, when I realize, you know what, I'm the perfect parent for these children. Yes. Yes, it's so true. It is so true. Well, you are an awesome mother. You are also awesome at broadcasting. And that is why, surprise for our listeners, Lisa McKinley, who we have with us today, is going to start doing some of the co-hosting duties. I was looking around for someone to do some of the duties. I am uh, I'm struggling with a bout of pneumonia, so talking is sort of hard. I know, I know, I, I make it look easy. I know. But so Lisa is going to start doing some of the interviews. You may be hearing from her. So how do you feel about that, Lisa? I am so excited. I, you don't even know. I'm just, I love, people are my passion and I believe everyone has a story and I'm so excited to just jump in and dive in and listen to people's stories and share those stories with all the listeners because there are just so many inspiring people out there getting it done. And and I just hope that through this podcast and that we can show people that it's okay to take up space as a disabled person, you know, don't make yourself small, that get out there and take up your space and do your thing and let's show the world. Awesome. Awesome, guys. So that's Lisa McKinley. You'll be hearing more from her. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to Chris Duncan for our theme music. Thanks to Steve Moore for providing our transcription. Support comes from the Center for Accessible Living in Louisville, Kentucky. And you can find links to buy the book, The Celebration of Family, Stories of Parents with Disabilities, in our show notes. Thanks, everyone. Just for once, I think I would agree.
Spells out the need for us to 